Eclectic Spacewalk presents Conversations, a podcast about the uniqueness of the human condition and how, through conversation, we can continue to upgrade humanity's value systems. Hello, and welcome to Eclectic Spacewalk Conversations. I'm your host, Nicholas McKay. Today, we are joined by Stephanie Lepp. Stephanie is an executive producer at the Center for Humane Technology, where she leads the podcast, Your Undivided Attention, hosted by Tristan Harris and Aza Raskin. Stephanie also runs Infinite Lunchbox, a studio for independent work with recent projects like Reckonings and Deep Reckonings. Welcome to Conversation, Stephanie. Thank you, Nicholas. It's good to be here. Thanks. Uh, So I guess the first question, uh, where were you born? Where, where did you, where did everything start for you? Huh, I was born actually not too far from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> uh, I was born at Stanford Hospital in okay. Palo Alto. And yeah. I happen to live in Mountain View right now. And my son was born like right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So Northern California, yeah. Bay Area, born and bred. You love it still. Born still and bred must be there. all over the Bay Area. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived in other, my parents are from Mexico and I lived there mm-hmm. for a little while with family. I've li- I, my husband is from New York and we lived there for a little while, but sure. most of my life has been around the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I've I've done when I worked in uh, Los Angeles at some marketing things. We had a bunch of things in the Bay, and even though I do like it up there, you know, uh, the Embarcadero, some clam chowder, the weather. Though I was always uh, <laughs> uh, more poignant to Los Angeles and Southern California, but uh, but yeah, so either totally. neither here, the, yeah. here nor there, you know. But uh, but so yeah. w- wait, where were okay? So can you talk us a little bit about your earliest influences and specifically maybe like the realm of curiosity? What was, you know, young Stephanie into? Was she reading a lot of books? Was, you know, what, what were you doing to kind of get a curious mind, if you will? Young Stephanie, well, my, my dad would say that young Stephanie was spending a lot of time in Stephanie land. Oh. <laughs> was his name for it? Was the place in my, which I still spend a lot of time there. In fact, maybe most of my time. <laughs> Um, imagining, imagining, making up stories, making Mm -hmm. up all kinds of things. I, I, I had a a little kind of cast of characters that I invented. I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly. (laughs) Now everybody knows. Um, I had a little cast of characters that I invented. Um, the main one was named (laughs) Freddie and, um, yeah, I would just I I was doing a lot of imagining, I guess I could say. Um, yeah, yeah. and I still I still am. <laughs> so I guess that is a that is a through line. Yeah, so was yeah. was there anyone maybe I always kind of use this as a cliche example but like an eccentric uncle that kind of, you know, kind of pushed you in that direction or I, I mean your dad was saying you spent a lot of Stephanie like but was he encouraging of yeah. that, you know, etc or like he who was, was kind of pushing yeah. you? Yeah, you know, I never had that uncle. <laughs> no, I, I kind of wish I had. I, I was all I, I always felt a little bit just um what do you like the black swan? Is that the right metaphor? Mm-hmm. I always felt a little bit kind of out of sync or something with the rest sure. of my family. Um so no, I maybe I'll be that. I think I I feel like I might be that eccentric aunt for someone. And I and I didn't have it. Boom. I kind of already am having a little bit of that relationship with my best friend from high school's son. 
uh-huh. who has actually listened to an episode of your undivided attention and it kind of blew his mind. So I might actually get to be the eccentric oh, elder that cool. I never had. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess like, can we do just a quick kind of run through of maybe undergrad or school or like how you kind of, you know, your journey up until being at the center for humane technology. And then I guess maybe something in there, I, I, through the grapevine or some descriptions, you had some roots in mimetic meditation or mediation. So maybe talk us a little bit about that. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Let's see how to connect all the threads. Well, uh, education wise or up until now. So I studied the same thing you're studying now, which is science, technology, and society which is just a really wordy way of saying philosophy of science, philosophy of technology. I started in philosophy mm-hmm. and, but I went in because I wanted to create philosophy, right? Okay. Stephanie, Stephanie land. I wanted to invent philosophy. I wanted to invent ways of understanding the right. world uh, and reality. And when I, and going into philosophy, you, I, you didn't really get to do that. You just study other people's. And, mm-hmm. and, and not that that, I mean, and I, and I respect and I want to study other people's, but I also wanted to invent my own. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I, um, what, ha- yeah, the, the, the place to go to invent your own is a newer field of philosophy and philosophy of technology is, is a little newer. And, and there's, there's, there's more to do. There's a lot to do, let's say right now in that mm-hmm. field. And so that's how I ended up in that field. Um, I'm trying to connect. Um, what can I say? I mean, still. I still, still, some of my favorite frames or ways of thinking come from, I don't know if you've encountered Langdon Winner. Maybe I'll just drop a little. Okay. So he, so that's like cat. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) And and, and we still don't have, it's still not a, like a broadly, it's like, it's, it's technology is neither inherently good nor bad, nor is it neutral. And so what is it? Mm-hmm. exactly good mm-hmm. question we still don't we still often do a lot of in in terms of technology there's still a lot of technological determinism let's yep. say technology is inherently x and there's a lot of social determinism technology is neutral and it's just about us and what we do it's like no there's actually often a more complicated picture but that requires a more sophisticated understanding of what technology is anyway i highly recommend um yeah langdon winner his, his chapter, which I'm sure you've read, Do Artifacts Have Politics, yep. is a beautiful exploration of how artifacts have politics. Um, but I didn't, I didn't, um, yeah, it, it's been a very curvy road, I guess I would say, from there to here. Um, although my closest colleague at the Center for Humane Technology, Tristan, I did, Tristan Harris, I did actually share, that was actually when we, we first met, we, we became friends probably over a decade ago and, oh, wow. and like okay. instantly got very nerdy. And I did share Langdon winner with him. <laughs> <laughs> we shared, we shared some thinkers back and forth. That was kind of the genesis of our relationship. So I guess there's a little bit of a line maybe. Even yeah, for sure. Curvy. Well, um, any other, do you want to riff on any of the other things of maybe some like reflexivity or interdisciplinarity and those kind of, th- like, those are very catch-all STS terms. And and what you're describing, do artifacts have politics? I mean, that's one of the foundational kind of texts of uh, any kind of science and technology studies that at least maybe it's not STS at first, but at the same time, like it's very, very much used as a framing, like you said. Yeah. Uh, um. Like, are there other pieces that have stayed with me? Mm-hmm. 
maybe actor network theory. I can't yeah, say sure. I use it. I mean, I probably <laughs> should. Um, <laughs> I I would love to kind of re up because then again, it's been. I'm going to date myself. It's been 20 years since I studied this material. Oh, I got, I got syllabuses so, for days for you. So don't uh, worry that, about it. You know, maybe I'll have you assign me a couple of things because I'm sure the field has really evolved yeah, since sure. my time. And I, I can't say I've kept up with it. So yeah, may, mm-hmm. maybe um, I'll have you assign me a couple of things, a couple of your favorite things from perfect. your syllabus. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So um so I don't know, and you'll have to correct me if this was like a, your kind of description of yourself or uh, someone else's, but uh, quote, um, you are a producer whose work strives to hold up a mirror, inviting us to grow from what we see. So I thought that was super poignant, especially in our times. Uh, but then also it reminded me when I was researching this uh, for the podcast, it reminded me of two other quotes that I found from one from the poet, Mary Oliver. So quote, I don't ask for the sights in front of me to change only the depth of my seeing. And then, oh. as, yeah. And, but then on the opposite side, I guess you could say if it was only, you know, back and forth of, of two extremes is uh, the author of the jungle Upton Sinclair. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it so i just Mm -hmm. wanted to maybe you know work let's let's riff on that tension a little bit of you know inviting us to grow from what we see by holding up a mirror i seen i think that's super important that that goes into the reflexivity that we had just talked about with sts but like how do you see yourself you know as a producer um and as a person you know trying to make change or impact or do you at all and then kind of riff on those kind of things Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that is the mirror is kind of the organizing principle that I use to understand and cohere my work. And maybe it's almost a, I would almost say it's a, it's, it's, it's maybe more of a um, window that it's very clean. So you can both see yourself and see, and see, and see forward and see Uh through. Okay. I did actually at one point, also something I haven't really talked about publicly, send a mirror to someone. <laughs> Not the best idea. Um, although um, he was he was a little, um, he was a friend, um, but we were kind of kind of in something. But it was a double-sided mirror, and so I kind of joke. And I ah. wrote on the side that was less magnified. So mm-hmm. if anything, the more magnified side was pointing at me saying, you're the kind of person who just sends someone a mirror. <laughs> What's yeah. up with that? And I, And I got the message. But um, as far as how it connects to my, yeah, I mean, that's um, what I've learned over the course. So, so I, I did, I produced a show for about five years called Reckonings that told the stories of how people change in all Mm -hmm. kinds of ways. People who expand their political worldviews, people who transcend violent extremism, recovery from addiction, all kinds of transformation. And so the common thread and I and I went in with this question how do people change you know how do people change in fundamental ways I started kind of trying to research it online but I didn't even really know what search term to google (laughs) it's like am I googling worldview transformation is that even a a thing like Mm -hmm, behavioral mm -hmm. economics is out there but I'm not looking to find out what makes people floss their teeth more often yeah you know so so yeah, nudges everywhere <laughs> nudges abound but where, how do we how do we fundamentally transform and so and yeah. I and and so yeah the, this this the show certainly wasn't you know a scientific 
investigation, but um, but I I probably did over two hundred hours or so of interviews with people who've who've made all kinds of of change. And the and and what I learned was that I I and I had this kind of running list of things that I thought radically transformed people. So it's like mm-hmm. falling in love near-death experience, psychedelics, um, sometimes very rarely, but sometimes information and very rarely because we usually only trust information that confirms what we already believe per your Upton sure. Sinclair quote. <laughs> um, and yeah, what I found was that what those things do, it's not that those things make us change, what those things do or what those things have in common is that they reveal to us the difference between who we think we are and who we actually are mm, okay. or the difference between the impact we think we're having on the world and the impact we're actually having on the world. And mm-hmm. seeing that gap, that is what initiates the process of transformation. And I can give an example, I can give examples, but that's, that's kind of where the mirror, it's like, I don't have to persuade you. I don't have to like convince you or cajole you or kind of like, it's like, I can hold up a mirror and it's, and granted there are all kinds of mirrors and there are all kinds of ways of holding them. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can shove it in your face. I can send it to you in the mail. I can hold it up gently and give you room to just process it. Right, you know, it, right. there's fun house mirrors. There's not, so there's all kinds of, I mean, we can go down a whole rabbit hole in terms of that, but, but just that, just the, you know, I was holding up a gentle mirror within the context of the show. I'm just asking you open-ended questions and just mm-hmm. letting you, and some of these interviews were ours and, and, and some of these people hadn't, I mean, if you're, if you're a former white supremacist, you've probably gone through therapy about that. Right. You probably talked about that, but some of the people I talked to, you know, the architect of Facebook's business model who then realized he was addicted to his phone and has since devoted his life to tackling technology addiction. He, he didn't like go through therapy about right. building Facebook's business model. So he's kind of processing this, in real time with me in a quote unquote interview, you know, it's called an interview, but it's really just kind of an opportunity to take a look in the mirror and just process yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever is being seen. And and so I, that is kind of the, the theory of change, let's say that I came to that I didn't have to, I didn't have to like change people, I could just kind of create the conditions conducive to critical self-reflection and trust and I'm not, I'm not going to say that that's going to work in all circumstances, but um, it's a powerful tool. Yeah. It can work in many circumstances. And it's worth saying maybe as a last note that most, or if not all, and I haven't, I haven't like researched this, but I think most wisdom traditions have that incorporated, right? Like there is a day or there is a time, you know, in Judaism, it's Yom Kippur. It's a whole day right. that is devoted to reckoning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) that is devoted to critical self-reflection we could say and so that is kind of like a part of spiritual development or human development that's that's very well i just happened to do it within the context of an interview (laughs) no no totally and just to to kind of uh set the stage a little bit so we mentioned in the uh description or the introduction so you run uh infinite sandbox um which basically produced (laughs) i like that too infinite lunchbox oh i i (laughs) love it i love that that name yeah yeah <laughs> um so so uh 
with reckonings though, like, I guess you it would be cliched for me to ask you, you know, maybe what was your favorite or memorable, I guess what would be more generative in this is maybe talk about uh, one of the ones that uh, maybe moved the most or the most reckoning, if you will, if that's even a term or something, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like if, if someone was really like unsure, was the Delta? exactly, exactly. Like what, oh. what was one that kind of just jumps out at you? Um, well, I mean, my mind is going in two directions. It's either what was the biggest delta in terms of where the person came from and went to, or what's the biggest delta in terms of when we started the interview, oh. <laughs> when we ended the interview. Okay. Okay. Um, Good point. But, the, but the one, I mean, actually the person that I just mentioned, the architect of Facebook's business model, I had to go back to him actually, because mm. I didn't, um, we didn't really get it. <laughs> this is so here. Okay. Here's like a little behind the curtain. Okay. for folks that I don't Perfect. think this is yeah things that I haven't said publicly but this is actually somewhat a little more interesting than like Stephanie having had a cast of characters when she was a little kid um so while I was interview him, interviewing him he was also on in the cast of the social dilemma yeah yeah we'll get okay. to that we'll so, get to that okay yeah. <laughs> so his name is Tim Kendall he then mm-hmm. went on to run Pinterest so he was and and um uh-huh. and and the fact that he was, I was interviewing him and he was also being interviewed for the social dilemma at the same time. And mm. I wasn't really getting the reckoning and I had to go back to him again. And it was the second time when I got him. And I don't know if something had happened between the first time or the second time, or it was mm. in conversation with me, but it was, it was the second time where he really came out and, and called out the structural co- constraints of capitalism which is which he said me even a year ago would be shocked to hear myself say this he said and and that that actually there I don't know totally the order of operations um I would have to go back to him and ask but he kind of had a, a reckoning in the process of his reckonings interview that fed into what he was then able to say on the social dilemma Oh, wow. Actually. Yeah. Cause, and, and for, and for folks, I guess, um, so the social dilemma is a Netflix documentary that's all about how our brains are being hijacked by social media, how our consciousness is being hijacked by social media. But there's, there are kind of two parts of the film. The first part of the film really goes into our social media predicament, what social media is doing to us. The second half of the film is really going into the broader economic and political context in which these technology companies exist. Mm hmm. Right, that prevent them from doing anything other than, let's say, holding themselves accountable to short-term profit maximization. Right, if we want to, if we want these companies to do anything else, we need to zoom out, right, and yeah. look at the political and economic context in which they exist. And it was, and something. So I guess you know, Tim's Delta. It's like, su- su- like me going back to him and being like, uh, uh-uh, we need, we need more here. Um, somehow fed into him being able to kind of like speak to that second half of the film in the social dilemma. Well, putting up good mirrors, Stephanie, yeah. that's good. No, we'll, <laughs> we'll, 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 definitely get, yeah, we'll definitely get into the social dilemma. Cause I definitely, I, I want to talk a little bit uh, broader and, and incisively and, and longer, I guess. So reckonings, huge transformation of, of people, uh, you know, who have made these changes, but then secondly, uh, you had also a, a award-winning, a Webby award-winning uh, series called Deep uh-huh. Reckonings. When you originally made this, I think I had stumbled across this like years and years back. So just to kind 
kind of give oh. a little bit of uh, people some context is uh, deep fakes is when you kind of like take a video and then take like either uh, a person's actor or a face and then put it over someone like a figure. So um, like what Stephanie did was uh, basically make fake videos that imagine quote, morally courageous versions of our moral figures. So what if Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, basically had a reckoning? What if Judge Brett Kavanaugh, and I think Brett Kavanaugh was the one that went during his, uh, deli- or after the the Supreme Court, you know, nomination, et cetera. And then Alex Jones uh, having a reckoning that I saw. So, I mean, who would be kind of your, first off, I guess, talk a little bit about that and what that process was like. And then maybe who now would be your most wanted figure to do like an update? Because there's many mm. choices. I mean, there's it's endless. It's endless. <laughs> yeah, and I should also say, um, I mean, the, it's easy to kind of misunderstand this project or the spirit of this project, and it was very misunderstood. Some people, okay. a lot of people, thought it was satire. Okay. And if you okay. read the script or or like headlines of articles that were written about it, is like you know so-and-so like grovels in their apology it's like a groveling apology to me is just is not even interesting it's like right right uh, that's too it's too easy actually right, the challenge right. I gave myself and I this might sound completely absurd but <laughs> is can I make something that would not alienate the person that it is of and granted putting words in someone's mouth is inherently alienating and still you know the the creative challenge I gave myself you know the brief I gave myself was can I make something that would both not alienate the person and not alien and not alienate their critics, you know, and maybe that's a non-existent overlap in a Venn diagram, but I'm still trying to carve it out. You know, Mm -hmm. what is the, what is, how can I steal man in a crisis of conscience? I'm also not, I'm also not, um, this doesn't have to be also like bad guys. Like the first, the, the prototype I did was of the Pope reckoning with the clergy sex abuse crisis and oh. i mean i could do myself i mean it's like anyone it's like who who how might i imagine i mean the tagline the question that i'm exploring the kind of there's many obviously epistemological technological ethical implications but the overarching question of the project is how might we use our synthetic selves to elicit our better angels Mm. And you could easily do one of yourself, the you that you want to be in order to inspire you to be that self. My my mm-hmm. husband happens to be in addiction medicine. You could easily, you know, you could imagine working with your patient to script a deep fake of their sober self in the future, talking to themselves now. Oh, wow. Encouraging themselves onto the path of recovery. So this is really just, this is the conjuring eliciting our 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 best selves it's not like only applied to bad guys who need to apologize and very cool and 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 i guess the other thing i'll say is the is the um you know how what how do i know what a reckoning sounds like well i spent you know x years interviewing people who'd had so that so that's really the source material for me i'm not just kind of like well what do i wish kavanaugh would say it's like well what is what does a reckoning even sound like? And, right. and so, and so in writing the scripts, you know, one of the questions I asked myself was what would, the, if this person had some kind of a crisis of conscience, what wisdom would they come to mm. Mm. that could teach all of us, right? mm-hmm. all of my guests, it's not just the apology. I mean, yes, there's an, sometimes there's an apology or a taking of responsibility, but always there's some wisdom that is, there's some insight that is arrived at. So for me, the apology, an apology kind of wouldn't be enough. And that would all, that would also be like, okay, for the critics, but like, what's, 
what has come to as a result of realizing that I have something to take responsibility for. So for Kavanaugh, let's say, just as an example, to kind of make it real, one of the things he says, his is my favorite. So if people are going to watch one or or if you're going to insert one or something. Yeah, I'll definitely put I think put his is the in, most, at least. His, is, his is my favorite because I think it's the most successful because I think it actually okay. carved out, let's say the space in that Venn diagram better than the others. And he, he says, the imaginary Kavanaugh says, evolution is beautiful but it's not pretty he says he says you know for all of the men who are getting caught in the crossfire you know and i might be one of them or you know it's like for for people who are maybe getting caught in this you know evolution is beautiful but it's not pretty there is a yes there are people who are maybe getting caught in this process that we're going through but there is a bigger there is a bigger process of social progress that I want to really celebrate and support. And so, yeah, evolution is beautiful. Thank God we are evolving the way that we treat women in this country. Thank God. I'm so grateful for that. And sometimes it's not pretty and sometimes it's messy. And guess what? I'm a man of power and privilege and I can actually, I can actually play my part to support. So it can be a little, a little prettier and, 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 and yeah, and allow it to be the, the beautiful evolution that it is. So yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess just to say, yeah, this is not satire. <laughs> no, no. Um, that, I think that's the, an important and, distinction because I think maybe people would have maybe thought that or saw a headline. So I appreciate you kind of distilling that. Yeah. And the scripts that it, it, I mean, it's a really fun challenge. They were really hard to write. I mean, try, mm-hmm. I, I was, I was nervous to try to write a script for Alex Jones. It's like, do <laughs> right. I want to go into the heart of Alex Jones? And the reason that's scary is not even because like, oh, I'm going to discover that he's actually evil. It's like, no, because I'm going to discover that he's actually human. Oh, right. That's right. the scary yeah, yeah. thing. It's like, yes. wait, he, and, and I, and, and yeah, and, that, and actually his was actually way easier to write than I would have thought. I actually found it, it was easier to find him, like, cause he, he, I don't know how much you've listened to him speak, but, um, He's suffering and it's and it's like you can hear it in his conversations with Joe Rogan. I found it easier to kind of like find him, I guess, than to find Zuckerberg. Yeah. So so who's on the (laughs) list? So if you if you could, you know. Oh, now. now? Oh, it's endless. Endless. Just follow the news cycle. Literally, (laughs) like the news cycle is it's constant. Um, But yeah, the obvious the obvious one lately is is Putin. Right. Yeah. And the way to make it. The way to make it clear that it's fictional is just have a have a dialogue between Putin and Jesus. Then you don't have to say it's fake. Then you just really, you know, and yeah. I mean, I would I, reckoning and hmm. I would I would put I would put Musk up there. Obviously, I'd put you know Musk up there. That would be interesting. Or even like even taking someone like J.K. Rowling, you know, like of of her, of her things like with trans issues and stuff. And there's there, but like you said, there's endless kind of extensiations of kind of going through reckonings and then having them uh, but I love what you said about them being human yeah like going through that process is way more interesting I think to find that they're human rather than some fictionalized myth character of good or evil you know I think yeah and that stuff is already out there that stuff has already been done um you're actually though kind of making me think that um this is maybe maybe I, I should actually retitle it and it's it's something like because for Musk and J.K. Rowling, for example, it's almost more like evolved crisis management. It's like, <laughs> it really, it's like, it's like, here's the thing that you could say 
that would help us all out. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, which yeah. is like anybody needs that. Everybody needs that. Like especially mm-hmm. a peak canceling, you know, peak cancellation moment. Like it's like, what is the thing that you could say? It's not that yeah, it's like it's not that you're like a bad guy or something. It's just that like you have the mic. And if you used it with like a tiny bit more grace, which I understand it's hard to do when a lot of people are beating up on you. But if you could like rise to the occasion a little bit and hear some words to help inspire you, then (laughs) that would be really helpful for all of us. You know, so it's more like use your mic wisely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, then, I mean, I would implore you to maybe look at some of those other options and continue it because I think in 2000, <laughs> or no, no, in just in general, because 2022 is, is begging for some of the more oh, of these yeah. deep no, fakes because well, it's been a minute, right? The way that I would want to do it the, 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 is, is to make it and then send it to the person and be like, you do the real thing or we'll release the fake one. Oh, like, hilarious. If you want to do the real thing, I'll help you do the real thing, you know, like, yeah. listen to the entire reckonings <laughs> catalog i'll help you do the re- and if you're not ready for that then deep fake it till we make it oh man beautiful <laughs> beautiful okay so um i guess then now that we're finished with infinite lunchbox infinite sandbox etc i guess you could say uh whichever one we want to so sorry about that i like earlier. both i like both yeah. no worries but um, I guess the last question of that is like through through these projects, um, I, I bet they obviously blood, sweat and tears, you know, a lot of time, you know, reckoning with yourself, like doing projects and stuff like that. What is maybe, um, you know, what is, what is what has changed the most from yourself personally from or what have you learned the most from it yourself from doing that, like these kind of like independent kind of things on the side? And, and obviously we'll get into the center of humane technology. So maybe these other, you know, independent projects, like what have you learned uh, yourself the most? I mean, has there been? <laughs> what have I learned? I mean, I could kind of go high or go low. low. We want it all, Stephanie. Um, we want it all. all. <laughs> low that I've learned, and this is not totally new, but that I live in a semi-permanent state of creative anguish because okay. there are way too many things that I want to make than I could possibly make. You're a real creator, so, Stephanie, though. That That's good. I'm that's a good. tortured artist. <laughs> I really am. That's and on and like I can say that and I mean my best friend from high school calls me that and there's actually some relief that comes with that because there's kind of an archetype it's like there's a long history of this I'm not alone uh, I'm with you hi yeah yeah we're, okay. we're together hi, in good that. exactly yeah. cool yeah I've actually <laughs> thought of like making a support group an ideator support group so maybe yeah because sometimes just talking about just like saying the ideas if I don't get to make them um, can actually be a source of relief so if you want in um yeah maybe okay okay cool um so that's so if I go high what have I learned um I mean just because I have reckonings on the mind it's it's kind of the same it's the same lesson over and over again I keep thinking the 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 I find the human in there I mean I keep thinking Mm. like oh no way this 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 episode I was not looking for this episode and an episode ended up in my lap that is a former priest okay so wow. clergy sex, which for me, it's like, no way, no, there, how could this ever, like, there is no way that there is like a human being in here, right? right, right? right. Or that, that, that there's any kind of like understanding of why this person did what they did. And th- this would happen to me every time. Yeah. Um, and then you go in there and it's like, oh, wow, there's a story here. I mean, this is an episode, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 
priest. It's a former priest who was convicted and accused and convicted and, and spent time in jail. And, mm-hmm. and, and then, and it's, it's, a, it's him and a woman who was abused by her nun. And they now are collaborating to bring restorative justice to the Catholic church. Wow. So it's their okay, story. Cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild story. Okay. Um, and yeah, but it's like, it was just kind of that same lesson over and over again with each, with each time was like, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to interview this person? I mean, it's not live, so I don't have to air it, but um, yeah. And every time I would just go in there and find, you know, and there's some people, I guess I should say that I would never, that are just, that are just off the table for me, let's mm-hmm. say for deep reckonings that I just, I don't even want to, I actually do not want to find the human being inside of Assad or inside oh, of sure. MBS. Like yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not even interested in that and yeah. call that a boundary. That's fine. I'm fine. I'm aware of that boundary and I will keep that there <laughs> at least for now. But, um, but yeah, there, I, there are others that maybe I kind of had there and was like, am I actually going to be able to move this boundary or dissolve this boundary or play with this boundary? And it surprised me every time. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm definitely in support of the, uh, tortured artists, you know, chat group that we're going to start. <laughs> and then also, okay. <laughs> also, uh, putting up some boundaries, even though, you know, you may find nuggets of humanity or stuff, there is use to, you know, to put up some boundaries of sorts. So I, yeah, I do yeah, like the that. way I say it is I'm so open-minded. I'm even open to being closed-minded. Sometimes. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Well said. <laughs> so, um, so I guess moving on to like your position. Uh, so you're an executive producer for the, at the center for humane technology. Um, so I guess I, first off, like very top level, like what is, you know, the mission? Why is it important? And then I guess at the end of that, uh, how involved in the, you know, social dilemma democ- or d- d- uh, documentary were you, et cetera? Oh, I was not there yet. Not involved. Not involved. Um, okay. Although friends of the team, friends of the team. Sure, um, sure, and sure. My, yeah. And deep reckonings and social dilemma and my son were all born like kind of at the same time. Oh, wow. So, um, Packed in. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was that, it was the wild, it was September, 2020. I don't know if you remember, it was heat waves, California heat waves, fires, the sky was red pandemic. It was oh, like this sure, very, sure. and then like the social dilemma comes out. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, the center for humane technology, broadly speaking is working to, yeah, just maintain the integrity of human consciousness and attention from the onslaught of social media that is racing us to the bottom of our brain stems. And we have, we, we operate in the realms of education, mm-hmm. education, public education, and, um, and, and policy mm-hmm. um, would be kind of like, the, and so we have a, we education wise, which is education wise, we have a podcast, which I lead, which is called your undivided attention. We have a course for training technologists. Mm-hmm. Um, Trista, we're, I mean, people on the team are, are constantly speaking and, you know, teaching. Um, so we kind of have the education side of things. And then policy wise, um, I'm wondering kind of like what I can <laughs> We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into the podcast, and so maybe just focus uh, on maybe the the policy stuff. So, like, how so the course is super interesting. uh, Training technologists, the podcast in general, but then I guess policy. I mean, that's a huge. I guess you could say a topic of consideration nowadays with so much of like the influx of not just money in politics, but then also institutions trying to Mm -hmm. change narratives, et cetera. So like, you know, uh, maybe just uh, 
you know, quick, you know, liner about what, what you guys see as policy and how to drive change in that kind of regard. I mean, I'll say more, maybe I'll just say something about the, there's, there, there's a window of opportunity, right? There, there are these moments, right? Let's Mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. um, after the social dilemma came out, after the social dilemma came out, Tristan testified before Congress, not for his first time, but Lindsey Graham referenced the social dilemma. Right. Actually, it wasn't when, actually, it was when, sorry, it was actually, um, it was when um, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey were ah, testifying okay, before okay. Congress. And Lindsey uh-huh. Graham was like, have you seen the social dilemma? So uh, there are these moments, right, when there is a window of opportunity for, for political change. And, 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 I, and, and tech is this like wildly rare bipartisan issue when like nothing is bipartisan anymore. Tech yeah. somehow still, even though they would have different approaches to the issue, it's an issue that is, is very bipartisan, right? And, and so the window of opportunity we're in right now is the post Francis yeah. Haugen yeah. window of opportunity. So for folks who don't, yeah. So for folks who don't know, Francis Haugen um, was at Facebook and, and, and it, it was, is a whistleblower. She, yep. Facebook kind of had social media had its quote unquote big tobacco moment last fall. Um, and we interviewed her on the show and she's absolutely brilliant. And she, yeah. So we're kind of living in the, and she leaked a lot of really kind of extraordinary information about how much Facebook knows about the impact yeah. it's having. So in that yeah. case, the mirror does not work, right? Cause Facebook is hyper aware. Yep. It tracks yep. the impact it's having. And yet, you know, but that this is when we also have to zoom out and, you know, the mirror is not as, you know, uh, how, how, how what's the saying? Um, sufficient, but not sufficient. Necessary, but but not sufficient. Necessary, okay, but yeah, not necessary sufficient. Okay, because yeah. if Facebook is still held accountable to short-term profit maximization, well, then we need to go a little bit upstream of the yeah. company itself. Um. So, but um. But yeah, she. So, so there's a window of opportunity, I guess I would say, still kind of in the afterglow of of Francis Haugen's revelations. Okay. And then, so I, I mean, and this uh, don't don't take this as too much of a, a push, but I do want to kind of maybe go a little higher level and like the more the STSE kind of things because so oh, at yeah. least for for me, like watching the documentary, I watched it the first time with my girlfriend, and we, you know, we're nerds and you know, et cetera, but love kind of these uh, exposés and different kind of uh, filmmaking, you know, to kind of try and tell a story, and and we really liked it. Um, and, but then I really started thinking a little bit more about how they went about it in that, like, well, I guess my critique of it was that they were kind of interviewing the same people that kind of who created the problem and that how it can be fixed rather than like maybe going and there's a panoply of scholars, of researchers, of people who maybe could have had a more of a voice. And like, I just remember for one review that I had to look it up to, to do this. So this is, these aren't my words, but a film that manipulates you with misinformation as it tries to warn you of manipulation oh. by and misinformation. And it's like, so, so yeah. for me, but, but since you weren't kind of really involved and maybe you were just viewing it, but then also you work at kind of the center for humane technology. I really liked the film overall in its message and how, what it was trying to do. But then maybe if we were kind of to, critique it a little bit and maybe maybe if you could remake the social dilemma now like is there anything that you would you would you would say because I think like you just said there are these Overton (laughs) windows that kind of move and shift etc so maybe just from your point of view like we can just kind of talk a little bit about the criticism and what we could do maybe nowadays with a little bit more uh 
hindsight, you know? Yeah, totally. Yes. And I'm happy to, and even if I had worked on it, I would still welcome <laughs> critique. You and, seem like the person. Yeah, the, two, <laughs> the two, I mean, the two kind of main, I guess, critique, like for me, it's, it's fine if they interviewed the people who created the problem, but then the mm-hmm. role of those people should be to take responsibility for creating the problem, right? Yeah, the, reckoning, deep reckoning. So to me, the glaring omission, it's like, it's, you know, the critique is like, oh, but it's all white guys who created the problem. It's like, yeah, because their role is to take responsibility for the problem they created. They're, they just kind of skipped a step. It was like, I was there, I built it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. are you going to say, is there going to be a, and I fucked up? Like, is right. there gonna be like it's like they missed a step or something. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the role. It's not, it's like, to me, the it's not a problem if they have those people, if those people are doing the role that they're uniquely equipped to do which is mm-hmm. <laughs> take some responsibility <laughs> which would have been so also like culturally therapeutic I think it would have been really helpful I think the critique like then then it wouldn't you know right we wouldn't be critiquing them for having the creators of the problem if they had taken responsibility yeah, for sure. the, you know it's like yeah. that, the, only them can do that right so right, right, um right. if we want to talk about solutions then yeah then there's like a whole nother cast of people yeah, and that, that's a, that's also a very common critique of the film that I also agree with. But I, I'm I'm kind of of two minds. About, I'm no, I yeah. There could there could definitely have been more solution orientedness um, for sure. I think um, yeah. This this was much more like a diagnosis. Um, so, but but it, but but that also that that kind of goes more to the goal. Like, what is the goal of the film? What what was 100%. the film trying to achieve? Yep. Um, and if the film was trying to to expose the problem. And kind of like rally people around. I think it did. I think it did that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get. Yeah, the two things I would. So just leaving the solution oriented aside, I would say if your goal was to just expose the problem, then um, I would say have the people who created the problem take responsibility. Um, and then I would say second, um, they did. I don't think the bridge was built very effectively from the first half of the film to the second half of the film. The second half of the film really does focus on the economic context in which this um these companies exist um there's the line that justin rosenstein says that um a tree is worth more dead than alive oh sure and that's part of the problem people forget like people still when they talk to us about the film or talk to tristan about the film like the first thing they say is like oh you know like my kid is addicted or like oh i really struggle it's like the I, I think we, we got the memo we got the memo about the first half of the film kind yeah, of only. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I'm not sure what I maybe start with the second half maybe start with the context start with like this is the economic context or this is the what, however far you want to go upstream if you want to go out all the way up to the generator functions of existential risk fine do you want to go all the way up to rival risk dynamics multipolar traps arms races I mean, we should go further upstream than capitalism anyway, but like if you, wherever you want to kind of locate the, like the source, maybe that's the place to start. And then technology just becomes an yet another manifestation of that. But at least we've appropriately contextualized it in a way that people will remember it starts all the way up there. So we can't only point the finger at tech companies. We need to point the finger at, you know, sure, the shareholder value myth and all the way, all the way up. Lots of mirrors. Um, and when you Lots go when mirrors. you go all the way up there, yeah. When you go all the way up there, you also get to just our human nature. I mean, you yeah. get to you get to like some other, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, those no, are the I'm, two. If yeah, 
I'm with you on that. And honestly, like if, if we really take it in the context of like, okay, does it like instill some type of zeitgeist movement, you know, or more people understanding what the problem is, et cetera. I think it did succeed in that. And I guess the only other film that we can talk about, and maybe we, you know, this will be a short film review of some of these things is don't look up, you know, cause with the climate mm. change, cause there's, they, I mean, it's so funny because when I watched it at first, I was like, this is, you know, there's comedic elements, there's a different narrative, it really kind of changes the thing. But then everyone is so off on like, well, it's treating viewers like they're dumb, you know, and it's like, well, but that's the whole, I mean, there's, there's an element that they're trying to do. But I think as a film, like, if you change, or at least influence the zeitgeist to talk more about the issue, I think in a lot of different ways that that is a success. And so I don't know if you have any connections with like, don't look up or in that kind of like yeah. same thing. Um, but that's the other film that I thought of in the sense of yeah. like really, you know, at the social dilemma level, if you will. Yeah. I I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I had so many thoughts after I watched it and I've already kind of forgotten. So <laughs> can you give me, and you can cut this out if you want. I'm sorry. No, I no, no. job, two kids. My brain is full. Can you remind me a little bit of, of, of like how it resolves, how it ends? No, I'm pretty sure that I, I, if, and again, like it's, I'm dating myself for watching the movie, but I'm pretty sure that the asteroid like kills everybody like at the end. So like, I mean, I can look up quickly. And the mom takes off and forgets her son in the yeah. wasteland. Yeah. Um, so, then, I mean, it's, it all ends up badly. Side, what happens to Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio? What happens to the protagonist and Jennifer Lawrence? What happens to them? Yeah. Good question. Honestly, I, I thought that I'm, I'm reminded that I thought that they all went to like a house and were having like a fucking a dinner or something. Oh, um, maybe, and they were just, they, they were, they were just writing it out. Yeah. Yeah. They, like this is yeah. happening. Like this is, and our, that's what I remember. Our last supper. They had yeah. their last supper. And the yeah. reason why I'm bringing this up is recently with all the heat waves and the climate action and all the rest of it, people are like taking news clips of actual news clips and then putting them with don't totally look up clips. Them. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. man, this is hilarious. Like, are we in yeah. an actual film ourselves? So I didn't know if you had so any here, thoughts not yeah. to. <laughs> my general, and I don't know if this is so, so specific, my, my kind of a more general thought that I'm, pr- I probably thought <laughs> in reaction to don't look up when it comes to things that are prophesizing, mm. um, we are not just talking about the future at a high enough level of influence. We're not just talking about the future. We are creating it. Oh, totally. We are 100%. co-creating it. And yep. so when it comes to prophecies, I just, especially it's like, take responsibility for your co-creation of reality. Mm-hmm. Like, what mm-hmm. are you seeding? What are mm-hmm. you seeding into the collective consciousness in terms of what we get to, I mean, we have always, you know, throughout history, we have always co-evolved with the stories that we tell about ourselves and the future, whether fictional or non, right? Yeah. And so th- there's probably, I probably just thought like, come on, give us something to co-evolve with here. Like I get, and maybe, maybe, maybe they would say, yeah, but it's a funny mirror. We're supposed to look at it and laugh mm-hmm. at ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the, but the, and that's maybe also why I say, yeah, but the mirror is also a little see-through. We're also looking through it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, someone who I would say takes responsibility for their co-creation of reality, I would say Kim Stanley Robinson. Okay. Okay. If you read Ministry for the Future, I did. he's a science really, fiction writer. Yeah. I really enjoyed yeah, it actually. He, yeah. he does a really nice job of threat of like, not like, 
he fully he fully um exposes the gravity of what is likely to happen the darkness that we are going through and might go through and also kind of like rolls out a red carpet i mean and that's also very deep reckonings right how might we Mm -hmm. use our synthetic selves to elicit our better angels like what kind of carpet are you rolling out and so maybe with don't look up there's some of it that it's like making fun of us can I, I I mean, I find value in making fun of ourselves for sure. And also, and towards what end and in service of what, and like rolling out the red carpet in what direction. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm with you on, on some of this stuff. Cause to be quite honest, sort of right now, I'm actually almost done with the, the first book of the, of the Mars trilogy. So red Mars, and it's super oh. interesting, like how politics and socioeconomic status and the narratives and everything just comes in. I really liked ministry of the future, but then also, I guess I maybe want to riff with you now a little bit on, you just mentioned kind of the narratives we tell ourselves. I mean, and science fiction has perennially been about like the dystopia realities that we're rec- about to reckon with, et cetera, until a couple years ago with a little book called from Ted Chiang, uh, Arrival. And I really enjoyed Arrival and like kind of more of a, maybe not utopic vision, but more of a kind of way out, if you will, or something mm-hmm. that, that can mm-hmm. be to used, you know, as something to go towards. And so I don't know if you're familiar with those, but like Arrival, one of my favorite, you know, sci-fi movies of the last say 10 years. And, and because oh. it, it doesn't, it doesn't go to this like whole dystopic reality that we're unfolding. It actually gives us, you know, some memorable, like optim, I would dare say optimistic, uh, you know, visions of yeah. humanity, et cetera. So if you haven't yeah. checked that out, I would, I would definitely, Oh, I uh, will. I will. The, uh, I will. And I, and I, and I mean, I should also say like disaster porn, you know, like has a role, <laughs> yeah, like it's not sure. inherent. It's like disaster porn can be a, um, a gateway to action, sure. you know? So it's just, but sure. it's just like under what circumstances, you know, in what quantities in what, you know, it's like, when in service, you know, thumbs up and, you know, that there's a, there's like a needle to be thread because it can be in service and it can also just be totally devastating and depressing and make us want to just tune out. Yeah. That's <laughs> so that's info hazard wise. Okay. So let's, let's uh, maybe p- pivot in and go a little deeper into uh, your undivided attention. So quote, uh, the podcast explores the incredible power that technology has over our lives and how we can use it to catalyze a human future. We talked a little bit about that. And I really liked your episodes with uh, Daniel Schmachtenberger, Tim Wu, uh, the lawyer from uh, Harvard, who kind of goes, uh, or at least is a little bit more real about the code as law kind of movement. Uh, and then uh, Kate Raworth with Donut Economics, really, you know, love those episodes. Um, but then you mentioned the, uh, the two infamous whistleblowers, Francis Haugen and mm-hmm. Sophia Zhang. Uh, so again, mm-hmm. like really, you know, interesting, interesting people. And these are the only ones that I kind of saw from either my own self uh, or researching. So maybe what have you again, like learned most from, you know, putting on the podcast, or maybe what is something you didn't expect. And one of the things that I've, uh, the name of my ebook is tripping over the truth. So how do we kind of like, you know, trip over our own biases and like cultural kind of framings, et cetera. So like, or can you talk a little bit of maybe some truths that you have tripped over, not just as you as an executive producer, but you as a human and individual, but then maybe, you know, Tristan or, uh, you know, some of the other Asia. guests, et cetera. Yeah. Asia, yeah, Asia. Um, what do you mean tripping over the truth? 
Okay, so there's there's an interesting uh, story in like say India in like 2002. This is, I mean, this is just the the story of it when they were trying to uh, put in like uh, plumbing, you know, like outdoor because there's a lot of people who just like defecate like out in the the fields and stuff. And so there was a big cultural pushback. So once they put all the plumbing in, no one was using it, and they're like, well, how do we? kind of get this, you know, these people to do this. And so basically what they did was they brought in some psychologists or whatever, and they had uh, one of them said, bring me around to where you guys go use the restroom. And everybody's like, no, no, we don't want to go over there, you know, et cetera. And then, so they finally go over there and he threw a, basically had a cup of water and took a, a hair and put it in some stool and basically put it in the water and then swirled it around and asked people, would you drink this? And they're like, no, no, no. But then basically he asked, well, don't you guys like eat with your hands with flies? And he's like, basically the connection was that the flies that were on their stool were now Mm. on their food. And so they were effectively doing the same thing that they didn't want to drink the water with the stool in it, but they're eating stuff with the stool possibly. So the whole story is that they, there was a light bulb moment of this community Mm. that they like tripped Mm. over their truths that they had like always done or whatever. And so there was some pushback obviously, because that's kind of like forced and et cetera. But then also like there was a a real um, decrease in like child mortality stuff, you know, like just basic disease things and and, immunology. So there was a story and that, that, basically that was what prompted me to, to come up with the kind of thing of they, they tripped over their truths. So it was a Mm. super interesting kind of thing. And so now I've been using that as almost another framing of like your deep reckonings of like, well, what are the Mm. truths that, you know, are around us that we're not tripping over, but then how do we also, you know, manufacture tripping over them in in generative ways, you know? And so that's kind of what, yeah. So are there any kind of things going through the podcast and making, you know, going, uh, you know, your undivided attention, like a, what truths maybe you thought from before your own reckonings, you know, going through the podcast, um, et cetera. Yeah. I think the main, um, I don't, I don't know if this is like a truth that we are tripping over or or like should trip over, but it's, um, it's the it, the bigger frame the the what i was saying about the social dilemma that um mm-hmm. it didn't quite build the bridge that's also very, that's that's also kind of a challenge on the show um where we want to contextualize everything we're talking about within this bigger context mm-hmm. of i mean to use sure to use daniel schmachtenberger's term since you just brought him up he would he would call it the generator functions of existential risk and yet we don't always appropriately do that. And partly it's because we're kind of learning and partly it's because maybe we're nervous that if we zoom all the way out like that, we'll lose our audience mm-hmm. because our audience is like wants to know about tech. And yep. this is obviously the context in which tech lives. Um, but so that's kind of a, that's kind of um, a bit of a growth um, opportunity for it's just something we're kind of learning how to do and the other a part of it I, I would say is is not being scared to or I don't know if it's fear but to kind of like um, this is gonna I don't know how this is gonna sound like sound patronizing but like also teach the guests or like invite guests into the bigger frame like the get like you know Tristan and Aza are you know experts in their own right and so and the guests are bringing some kind of expertise but I, and I'm always encouraging them to be reciprocal. 
Like mm. if the, you know, the guests are bringing us something like we can bring them something too, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be great if we all walked away from a quote unquote interview, you know, with, with our minds expanded. Um, so even if the guest is not whatever, you know, like, like speaking in terms of the bigger for whatever it is, like we can do that with them. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything other than, you know, we're all in the business of educating each other all the time. So, um, yeah. Well, I, pre- I appreciate the honesty. I mean, that that's really cool. Yeah. You know, it, it really kind of threads the needle of, of, I guess, taking some learnings from other things and then maybe being reflexive about it on your own. So I really appreciate it. But again, your undivided attention is the podcast and I'll obviously put, you know, in the show notes and stuff. So, um, okay. A couple more questions. Uh, so, on the Doomer Optimism podcast, um, you spoke mm. with Ashley and Jason about not necessarily having, you know, one humongous tent of <laughs> like-minded individuals, but possibly a <laughs> constellation of different interests and wormholing from one of them to another. So I thought that was super interesting, super generative. Uh, and I guess, can you just talk a little bit more about some of those things? Because we talked a little bit about boundaries and they're not, you can't just throw all boundaries to the wayside, but are like thresholds useful to call out or really just kind of distractions from momentum? And how do you really kind of create some of those kind of wormholes between like-minded groups? Is it narratives? Is it organization? You know, any thoughts on that that you can kind of expand on? Sure. Um, I guess there's maybe two, two ways that I would approach that. One is, um, wormholes between different echo chambers or between different tribes. I mean, that's where mimetic mediation comes in. And that's not, that's not my term. That's a term that I think Jason developed together with Peter Lindbergh, who's the steward of the STOA. Yeah, the STOA. And the STOA is amazing. And I highly <laughs> recommend checking out the STOA. Um, sure. But the concept of mimetic mediation is, uh, is, uh, it's mediating between different mimetic tribes, let's yep. say. So, um, so, um, and you can even just think about your own Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> so at Thanksgiving, <laughs> you're probably area. at the intersection. <laughs> exactly. You're probably at the intersection of at least two mimetic tribes, if not more, which is why people don't talk about politics, yeah. right? Cause you got different tribes in the room. Yeah. And so, um, you know, but if we're going to kind of, you know, address, polarization or um we got to do some memetic mediation right start at your thanksgiving dinner table those are the tribes that you're connected to at least you mm-hmm. know and there's some love there there's probably some love between family members and that's 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 like that's a real real that's not real to work with love so um that i mean that's i'm still speaking kind of in the abstract like what would what would that even look like um maybe i'll just make it a, a tiny bit more like if we take an issue like abortion, um, which um, how would you do mimetic mediation between tribes on abortion? Well, it turns out that 62% of Americans, I think is the statistic I just read, 62% of Americans want sensible abortion rights. The majority of us. Yep. And so, and what, and but, but like, we're not going to, you know, we're going to get legislation. We're getting legislation at the extremes. And the media narratives are also kind of pushed to the extremes because of social media and the economic and political context in which it exists, blah, 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 insert the conversation we've already had. But um, so what is, how might we articulate the actual moral majority opinion on abortion that actually the majority of us share, right? That would require some mimetic mediation, let's yep. say, or we could just call it integration, 
of the steel man versions of the different perspectives. Some some things cannot be integrated, right? Abortion under no circumstances cannot be integrated, but like no abortion under circumstances of when it's like already, you know, X weeks, when it's already when it's already viable and you know, the 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 woman's life is not threatened by the birth. Like so there there are ways to integrate um this like the steel man, let's say for, that that's that's mimetic mediation, I guess, in terms of uh um uh you know, the into integrating the different perspectives. I'm trying to remember what the second my second like approach was to your question. I, oh, the different tense. Okay, oh, so that, yeah, yeah okay. I guess I guess one is um yeah one approach might be or one way to think about it might be how to right actually integrate the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, like on a another another way to think about it. This is what I talked about with Jason and Ashley is in terms of developing a strategy. Oh, that was my We're next thing. So go in, strategy. go in, yeah. synthetic strategy. Go Yeah, riff. synthetic strategy. So and I, Do I, I don't know, I'm too nerdy for people, but- <laughs> No, not at um, all. Yeah, the idea, it's very simple. The idea is, and um, the idea if you're, is if you're trying to come up with a way of doing something, a strategy for something like leadership, or I mean, leadership was the example I started with with them. Yep. And I can just give that example. And this is not from my work. This is from Daniel Goleman. Mm-hmm. But um, he does this really brilliant thing where instead of being like, this is the definition of a good leader, a good leader does this always and all the time. He asks, um, he, he well, what, what he did was he interviewed um, many, 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 many business leaders. And he identified six different leadership styles that all work well in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. So and you don't, it's like commanding works really well in a crisis. Affiliative works really well when you need to repair bonds. Visionary works really well when you need to mobilize some kind of a turnaround and, you know, cohere around a new shared vision. So he has these different, but it's not just that. So that's already brilliant in and of itself. It's like, oh, wow, leadership looks different in different circumstances. Leadership is not the same thing all the time. It, mm-hmm. de- it depends what circumstance are we in? What do we need? And therefore, what kind of leadership do we need? But he takes the further brilliant step of what is that leadership style's impact on the overall organizational climate? Commanding sucks. It's no fun to be commanded. We don't like it. Visionary is really fun. We love that one. And so we use the ones that are not fun in order to get ourselves out of that situation so we can shift into the ones that feel better for everyone. Some are like emergency measures. So when you're thinking about something like growing food, it just helps right size. It's like, Oh, I mean, this is from the conversation with Ashley and Jason, and I don't know enough about this, but let's just use this as an example. Oh, fake meat. It's kind of an emergency measure, right? It's like, it's, it's maybe, I mean, this is the way that they, and again, I don't know about, but let's just use this as an illustration. It's like that, that also helps us kind of think about where we want to put our resources. Like we want to put enough resources in the in the emergency measures so that we have them mm-hmm. but we, we but triage wise we really want to invest in the in the ones that we want to use most of the time because that's actually the circumstance we would rather be in it's just a way 100%. to it's a way to and then and then i think um actually web or crypto is such like a perfect kind of application for for this because there's so much kind of like it's right it's wrong it's good it's bad it's like under what circumstances Yep. If we if we just abstract from crypto and just think in terms of currency, 
or methods of exchange. Mm -hmm. oh, there's so many tools we get to put on the table. We get to put fiat money. We get to put bartering. We get to put local currencies. We get to put time banks. We get to put crypto. We get to put like, I don't even know all of them. And then we, you can imagine a similar matrix to the one for leadership under what circumstances, if any, yep. Yep. is this method of bar of exchange or storing value most useful and then we can start to develop a as i would call it, synthetic strategy that integrates right and right sizes the different tools and with crypto i guess it's also worth saying we don't totally know yet like we're kind of still in a little bit of experimentation mode so it's also there's also a little bit of like hold hold up hold up the criticism let's ex let's try it out and see how where it's useful we don't totally know the answer to that question yet so that we can incorporate it into the toolbox as it is useful. That's great. Well put, because I mean, honestly, you could kind of take that uh, strategy, if you will, of, you know, looking at things synthetically with almost any emerging technology, anything that's kind of coming up. Uh, and I guess that kind of pivots to my, you know, one of my last questions is, um, so new media, you know, huge, yeah. huge, interesting things. And with you being a producer, executive producer, I definitely didn't want to, to miss out on the question of kind of like, I know that you're kind of, doing maybe some stuff or, or your bio said that you're trying to do some new media with human center of humane technology. So, um, I mean, there's VR, there's AR, there's animation with Dali and mid journey, there's unreal mm -hmm. engine, there's all this kind of new stuff. So I guess, can we, can, can you thread the needle with like the power of narratives and storytelling myth-making, but then also kind of these new emerging storytelling, you know, uh, use cases or technology or et cetera. And maybe like, are there any future projects coming up or anything we should be on the lookout for? Or, I mean, we can keep it broad. Uh, as well. <laughs> well, now that you know that I'm in a semi-permanent state of creative anguish, there's always, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like the nicest question you can ask me is like, what idea are you obsessing about right now? So that I can, Good. so you can just talk about it and it can give you a little bit of relief. Um, in terms of the new tools, though, I mean, the new, yeah, um, something like GPT-3. Yeah. Are you familiar? Okay, so mm -hmm. GPT-3 is, um, so you can, so you can now just say, you can now just say, describe what you want, and the AI will make it. So make me a conversation between Nicholas and Stephanie talking about a conversation between Nicholas and Stephanie. Oh, I mean, whatever. You Beautiful. Can just, like, you can tell the <laughs> thing to make it. And I mean, we are now at the point of Genesis, you know, and God said, it's like, and we said, and the thing exists. So it's really wild. But where you can go with that is like, is like, I, you know, where my mind goes with that is like, I want to be a fully cyborg operation where if I'm making a series, like Deep Reckonings is a series, and I could theoretically just tell GPT-3, make me the steel man version of a conversation between Putin and Jesus. Oh, Take wow. everything Putin has said take everything Jesus has said and just give, give me the steel man reckoning the steel man. And, and it can make it. That's what's so wild. And, and it's, and I can also say, look back at the ones that I have made for reference. Oh yeah. You know, sure, just include sure. that in your data set yeah, and include yeah. the entire catalog of reckonings while you're at it too. Do it. So just, you just feed it the data. Yeah. So that's, it just becomes, you know, especially as a tortured artist, I can scale more easily with, some cyborgs <laughs> on my team or, you know some robots on my team um so um but in terms of a like a specific um 
like a specific something next. Um, I'm thinking about what I want to say. There's so many things I could say. Um, I'll just say one that I haven't, yeah, that I haven't okay. really talked about. This is very simple. Um, but um, so I'll say a simple one and then a not simple one. The simple okay. one is, um, so just take, uh, take, take all the chiefs of all the tribes. Okay. So take um, Trump, AOC, Jordan Peterson, just take the chiefs of the different mimetic tribes. Okay. And um, you just have a, you have a short video, you have a, sh- a clip of them saying their shtick, whatever mm-hmm. their shtick is, you know, stop deal, Green New Deal, whatever their shtick is. Yeah, yeah. And then you deep fake them saying the opposite thing. Oh, okay. And then you just string them all together and you just release. It's just, it's just, and it, and it just thoroughly confuses us. It's like, no, wait, uh, I agree. Oh no, wait, now I don't agree. It's a, and the title is the messenger is the message oh okay it's just a holding of a mirror to the extent to which what we believe you know who we like what we agree with is informed by who says it and now that my person said the opposite thing now i want to believe that too but now i'm confused wait that maybe i just believe everything all at the same time for one moment yeah 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 (laughs) for one moment of confusion um (laughs) would that be a cool example and exercise i i'm i'm fully aboard on that (laughs) That's very simple. Okay, the more the most the most ambitious is I I do I would love to land a UFO at COP twenty seven. Oh my god! Okay, yeah. I think that would be very helpful. Okay, okay. that would be very helpful to get Hollywood on board and just like do it so so well. Like it, like would this be like War of the Worlds type of thing? Like everything goes out on like an embargo. It'd be at a like the overview time? effect. Oh, It'd be okay, like the overview. okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay. what happens to us when suddenly um, there's like a whole nother team, oh. and suddenly we're like on Team Human. Team Ooh. Human is where it's and not and not that we're like fighting with the other team, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're not humans, or you're not Earth life. We are Team Earth life. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah, which is what COP twenty seven kind of needs is like Team Earth Life. Okay, yeah. well, I guess yeah. then then this will be a perfect <laughs> kind of segue or transition into my last question. That uh, and as a lot of people know, like I always ask people, you know, if you were kind of experiencing what the astronauts at the ISS or you're on the moon looking at Earth, I mean, you really see Earth in its glory and in its ultimate whatever you want to call it like it's religious mythological thing of being Gaia you know it's it's just a planet you know with like a thin atmosphere it's in you know the deepness of black space and there's no there's boundaries geographically but there's no borders and and a very very thin atmosphere so if you have something to say I mean we can I guess segue transition from a COP27 future ultimate you know thing but like what would also you know in Stephanie uh, Stephanie's mind or, or, or thoughts, like, you know, it could be a line of poetry. It could be a full, uh, you know, uh, address to the human nation. It could be a, a meme. So what, what are some things that, you know, if you're experiencing the overview effect, what would you want to kind of uh, put forth? Oh, I, 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 I think I would just cry. <laughs> okay. I think I would just start crying. I don't know if that's, ha- that wouldn't be like the thing that I would have planned to say, but if I'm like imagining myself mm-hmm. looking at the earth from space like that and how truly, 
how truly you just said, yeah, our atmosphere really is so thin and it's so precious. Yeah. Oh my God. And what are we doing? And <laughs> what beauty and what a miracle that this ever even happened to begin with. I think I would just cry. Right. I don't know that that would be very helpful for people. Um, well, I guess maybe then put, take a, take a thing out of the doomer optimism hat and like, are there uh, specific things or, or, I mean, you don't have to go to projects or oh, ways cry, of thinking. But, but cry, it would be crying, not just how sad it would be crying. Also just what a miracle beauty. So I, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Crying. Um, but okay. But you were going to say, if I'm taking something out of the doomer optimism hat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, what are some optimistic kind of things, uh, maybe the, oh, to, okay. you know, just something um, to, to transfix to the world population <laughs> after the cries of beauty of sadness of you know etc um, sadness i mean crying we'll, we could also just say crying <laughs> crying tears of of wonder and joy and awe I mean, what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wow. <laughs> we can, wow. we can leave it at that. We can honestly leave it I'd at that. Maybe I'd start singing. Maybe I'd sing "We Are the World." <laughs> Wait, wow, going old school, back to the "We yeah, Are the yeah, World." Yeah. Okay. Back to Stevie Wonder, Cindy Lauper. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if all the lyrics really apply, but um, "We Are the World," just yeah, the, yeah. just the chorus. Um, well, I'll, I'll have your rendition of Imagine over, you know, the panoply oh. of uh, the uh, stars that did that at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, or I don't know, maybe, um, I mean, I think the thing is to have everyone have that experience, right? So oh, totally. Uh, that's my what, like, big mission, the, you know. The transmission is like, you guys really need to do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You guys really need to check this out. Right, right, right. Yeah. Cool. Which, well, uh, yeah. well. Okay. So we're we have tears of many emotions. <laughs> check this out. Uh, singing. I mean, those are all great, <laughs> great things. Um, I guess as lastly, what would then, you? What would be your answer to that question? I mean, yeah, it's a good. It's a. I mean, for me, as of now, I'm still trying to think about it. My big uh, kind yeah. of like you know. Uh, I guess you could say moonshot goal is to kind of create um, on the moon, these kind of interdisciplinary like research bases, like we have in Antarctica where, you know, you have the best and brightest minds from all over the world, like doing kind of cutting edge stuff. But then as well, I want to not just kind of have it as scientific and be like a cultural hub, you know, these like kind mm -hmm. of how to see like Jason's huge into bioregionalism and stuff. And I'm a huge fan of yeah. that, of like watershed, you know, where do you get your water? Where do you get your air? Yeah. You know, how things connect like that. And I think one of the biggest things is, you know, and I imagine, I mean, again, like this is me just, but like, what if, you know, you could take a field trip to the moon, you know what I mean? Or something like as a part yeah. of like class of culture of like uh, religious uh, of all kinds of different meaning makings um, to really see the earth as for what it is, because, I think we lose so much of that and they're fallible to like our senses and how you can look yeah. to the horizon and it's flat, but it's not, you know, we're on a ball that's spinning around in space, you know, yeah. around a star in a, you know, all these other how things. How far so. out does Google Maps go? I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I think there's, there's some mapping stuff I'm assuming from NASA that you can I mean, check it out. Should. From the moon, it, it, moon maybe it does. And I just don't know. It should, it easily could. Yeah. 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 Right. Just like, sync it to satellite like so you can zoom out all the way and maybe that maybe that zoom should always be like in the window oh it's right just like 
And remember, wherever you are, <laughs> you're still on planet You're still Earth. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole thing of the pale blue dot, you know, Carl Sagan, yeah. et cetera. Like that's that's really the the basis of all that. Um, so, I mean, I would... I don't know what my answer, that's a, that you're the first person to ask me like point blankly what mine would be. Uh, so, I mean, I guess my, maybe a poem or again, like awe, you know, like the you yeah. know, creation of things. Like, I think that would be my biggest uh, go-tos, but uh, I guess my, my real answer is uh, it's a work in progress. I'm still trying to figure Likewise. that out. You know? so. That's a really good, yeah. I'm going to keep thinking about it too. Maybe we can co- reconvene in like 20 years. We have we, more we uh, wisdom under our belts and, yeah, share the answers as they've evolved. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna we're getting close to time. So, is there any other, you know, things you want to maybe say or what parting thoughts or anything that you maybe don't have to get to overview effects kind of level? Um, uh, if not, then you know it's it's all good. It's been it's been a pleasure. Yeah, this has been really fun. I um, thank you for asking such open ended questions and also like clearly kind of like digging around so that you could ask um, deeper questions. That's for sure. Always really nice. Um, I guess I would also just say that um, if people want to be in touch, I'm pretty active on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, You can find me at Steph Leth and I am, I am also, it's, it's kind of like active on Twitter while trying to kind of, um, discern how to uh use twitter to use twitter in a thoughtful way there's kind of the like using it while being kind of like critical of it and um exploring how it can be like it's like i joke that i'm trying to build a propaganda machine to inoculate people from future propaganda i do think (laughs) there are ways that the tools can be used in a way that also um yeah in a way that also um expands the possibility space of the tools or like uh inverts them i yeah, mean yeah, yeah. well yeah i mean there's certainly some sts concepts i could bring in here but like yeah use the affordances still in creative ways awesome well said yeah. well said cool yeah. well uh i think we'll you know wrap it up uh it's been great talking with you so thanks for coming on conversations stephanie and until next time at astra Eclectic Spacewalk presents Conversations, a podcast about the uniqueness of the human condition and how, through conversation, we can continue to upgrade humanity's value systems. Everyone has a subjective, awe-inspiring viewpoint of our reality, and the goal of this podcast is to have conversations with unique humans. Eclectic Spacewalk means a broad and diverse range of Earth-based philosophies viewed from outer space. Send us any recommendations on who we should talk to next. But remember, we are not just a podcast. You can subscribe to our Substack newsletter and get first access to every podcast episode at eclecticspacewalk.substack.com. Connect with us on social media by following us on Twitter at eSpacewalk and the hashtag EclecticSpacewalk. Find us on Minds.com at EclecticSpacewalk. And as always, you can find everything on the website, EclecticSpacewalk.com. We want to talk with anyone over our shared humanity and best practices of life. Now, let's have a conversation.